Naomi Osaka withdraws from the French Open and shares her struggles with mental health. Tennis for now loses a great player and spokesperson for the tournament. What's the path forward and what can we learn from this? Sports lawyer and law professor Darren Heitner returns. I'm Lawrence Clady and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for being here with us. Today, we're talking about professional tennis star Naomi Osaka, who recently and surprisingly withdrew from the French Open after she was fined from not making her contractually obligated media appearances. And, you know, if you've been following this story, you know that Naomi has a very good reason for doing this, but there's so much more to this story. And before we get to that, we need to thank our sponsor, Noda. Noda is powered by M&T Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnota.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's known as spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. Let's say hello to our return guest, Darren Heitner. Welcome back to the show, Darren. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a little while. You know, I think the last time we had John, we were talking about paying college athletes back in August of 2020. So uh, I guess what's new in your life? That's really interesting because here we are in June 2021, and we're less than a month away from college athletes finally being allowed for the first time to be paid. So oh, wow. that's a very relevant topic. Well, keep us uh, keep us posted on that. I'll definitely want to bring you back so we can talk about that. So that's a really really uh, interesting issue. So, well, as Darren, as you as you're probably aware, you know, uh, May was Mental Health Awareness Month, and obviously, you know, you're like we had from 2020 going to 2021. You know, people's nerves are a little fried, and you know, I've been reading a lot of accounts and hearing a lot of accounts. You know, mental health has been a little bit on the decline here, and people that had a tendency towards some difficulties there, you know, we're not getting the support that they needed, being so isolated as we were. But um, before we get into our discussion today, you know, Darren, you know, you're a, you're a man of many talents. You're a lawyer, you're a law professor, you're an author. So tell us about your expertise in the sports world for people that just aren't quite as familiar with your work. Sure. And I, I don't love to hear myself speak or boast about myself, but my background is as a lawyer for 11 years, practicing primarily in the state of Florida. I'm also licensed in Washington, D.C., and I'm about to be admitted in the state of New York as well. I also teach sports law at the University of Florida Levin College of Law. My practice and my law firm, which I started in June 2014, does focus on sports entertainment, intellectual property, transactional, civil litigation type work. Uh, I've written a couple of books called How to Play the Game, What Every Sports Attorney Needs to Know, which has been published by the American Bar Association. And I'm actually working on my third edition right now. Oh, wow. Well, uh, congratulations on that. That's wonderful news. Thank you. Well, I, I'm not a uh, tennis aficionado there, uh, Darren, but uh, I understand that Naomi Osaka is a world-class tennis player. And uh, so maybe you can help me out, maybe some other people out there that don't watch tennis regularly. You know, Tell us about her as a player. How impactful is she to the sport? Sure. In 2021, Naomi is one of, if not the best female tennis players in the entire world. Some say that Naomi is the best tennis player to rise onto the scene of tennis since Serena Williams. And during her career, she has had success after success, winning four Grand Slams. She has been extremely impactful for the sport. She is one of the world's most marketable athletes, irrespective of the sport that she plays in. And in fact, 
She was the highest earning female athlete by annual income in 2020. So she's done so much on the court, off the court with regard to endorsements, but also has received a lot of recognition as an activist. She was very involved supporting the Black Lives Matter movement uh, in conjunction with her matches. And she was even included in Time's annual list of 100 most influential people in the world in both 2019 and 2020. So this is an international superstar we're talking about. Yeah, and it was a big story, and I was hiding under a rock when this uh, broke. I missed it as it was happening live, and I've just you know, recently caught up with it, doing all the reading that I could. And you know, I was fortunate enough, you know, some of the articles that I read were pretty balanced on this. You know, there's two sides of the story, but it's really not such a huge divide. It's just that uh, I think early on there were some misunderstandings. And so, Darren, I'm wondering, you know, just for the sake of other people out there that may have also been hiding under a rock, um, you know, tell us what happened here. Maybe share both sides of the story. You know, why? Was it Naomi wanting to participate in these press conferences? Yeah, point blank. Naomi said that she was going to refuse to fulfill media obligations because they were detrimental to her mental health. She said that post-match inquiries were akin to kicking people when they were down. And after she refused to talk to the media, she ended up withdrawing from the tournament ahead of her second round matchup. Afterwards, she revealed uh, very publicly, I believe initially on Twitter or some social media platform, that she has long suffered bouts of depression going back to the 2018 U.S. Open and that she's had a very tough time coping with it all and explained in her social media post that she's an introvert and anyone that's seen her at these tournaments would know and notice that She's often wearing headphones, which helps dull her social anxiety. So she ultimately decided that it was better to exercise her self-care and skip these conferences. And she announced it preemptively because she believed that the rules were outdated in certain sections. And she really wanted, at least from her position, to highlight that. She said she's going to take some time away from the court for now and that when the time's right, She'll work with the tour to discuss ways that they can make things better for the players, for the press, and for the fans. Well, and from what I read, and this was my take on it, you know, I don't, you know, I didn't see this happen live. I obviously wasn't at the French Open, but uh, the people that put on the tournament were obviously frustrated with this. And I, and I don't think she brought up the uh, the mental health, uh, how she was suffering from some of that, and that was uh, leading into her decision. I think the French Open did not understand, and they they fined her correctly. That's right. So she was fined $15,000 for missing her first French Open press conference. And I believe you're right that it wasn't expressly stated that she was staying away from the press conference due to mental health concerns. So she could have exposed herself to further punitive action beyond the $15,000 Repeat violations do attract tougher sanctions, including possible default from the tournament altogether. So I guess preemptively, she decided to come out, withdraw herself, and explain the rationale for why she missed the press conference in the first place. 
Yeah, and I think we could all uh, identify why you probably wouldn't want to float that information out there. It's a very private matter. But at the same time, you know, it was uh, critical information for the other side of this, the French Open, to to have so they could understand. And you know, that's what I appreciate about some of the articles that I wrote. They, they uh, said, you know, the... It's not that the tournament's being heartless. It's just that her participation, even with these media events, is very important. So why don't we get into that a little bit, Darren? You know, how does uh, Naomi not hanging around for some of these press conferences and media events, how does that hurt a tournament like this? Well, a big part of the buzz surrounding any tournament or any sporting event are the clips and the statements made by the players outside the actual competition. And in fact, a core element of Grand Slam regulations is the responsibility for players who are participating to engage with the media, whatever the result is of a match. And so this is seen as a benefit for the sport. It's a benefit for the fans and oftentimes deemed to be a benefit of the players themselves. I suppose that's a matter of perspective, but it allows the players and the media to share their perspective and for the players to truly tell their story. And Ultimately, that's what sports is all about. It's storytelling. And so I think the organizers of these events truly wanting these players to participate in these media opportunities. And look, Naomi, as I mentioned before, this is an international superstar, someone who has had so much success so quickly in her career. And I think the tournament organizers at first believed that it really hurt them when Naomi was not participating in these press opportunities because she is a favorite in the tennis scene. And she is someone that fans around the world want to watch, not only when she's on the court, but off of it. And she also represents a huge Asian demographic as well, which helps uh, grow the game of tennis. So I think that's really why the tournament was upset by all this, especially, and, and more likely than not, the tournament didn't know, didn't understand why it was that she was not participating in the press conference. And so that's why I think they took that stance initially. Yeah, no, the, uh, putting on these tournaments is a big deal. I mean, it's not just about the athletes and a commentator and maybe a line judge and and the court. You know, it's about all the ancillary services that go on to put these uh, tournaments on. You've got food service, you've got security, you have the people that uh, maintain the tennis court itself and the athletic facilities. You've got network contracts that need to be fulfilled. You've got sponsor arrangements, sports writers. I mean, There's a real cottage industry that follows one of these tournaments. And, you know, in your experience, how big, are these tournaments to a sport like tennis? Huge. These tournaments really support the industry as a whole and serve not only to provide big prize pools for the players who are participating and to allow sponsorship agreements to be seen through with regard to their deliverables, but it really, again, grows the game in itself and causes young and old, to go out onto the tennis court, participate, pay the fees to play on tennis courts, pay brands to be able to use tennis rackets and tennis balls and so on and so forth. So this really stretches very far. 
Now, for for her part, Naomi, you know, she she lost some here. Now, obviously, she had to she decided to withdraw from the tournament. And you know, other world class athletes of her stature, you know, my guess is she makes far far more of her money through endorsements and sponsorships than she does participating in one of these tournaments. But you know, kind of break that down. You know, you're closer to this than I am. You know, someone at her level, how much does she lose when she backs out of a tournament? You know, both from say the purse money and then also from maybe a future endorsement. Well, from this particular tournament, the prize pool is north of 34 million euro. Wow. And the winner <laughs> receives 1.4 million euro. So, you know, Naomi was considered to be one of the favorites to win the tournament. So she could have ultimately forfeited 1.4 million euro or, you know, obviously less than that if she, but a runner up receives 750,000 euro. So, it certainly wasn't out of the realm of possibility that that's what she could have earned. Look, Naomi <laughs> doesn't merely make that money on the court. And I say merely in jest, obviously that's a lot of money. But last year alone, Naomi earned over $35 million in endorsement money. Wow. That's a lot. What's interesting is in all of this, all of her sponsors came out immediately in support of her. Nike, which is probably Naomi's biggest sponsor and started a relationship with Naomi in 2019, actually applauded her for opening up about her struggles with depression after she dropped out of the French Open. And her other sponsors, such as MasterCard, Sweetgreen, Nissan and, and a few others, they all voiced their support for her following her withdrawal. So she hasn't suffered any monetary consequence for opening up and explaining why she dropped out. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I mean, do you think that's because, you know, she had a good reputation as being, you know, one of the positive voices for tennis as opposed to like a loud mouth uh, that is always causing people consternation? Do you think she got some good advice or do you just think that, you know, today uh, people are just a little bit more aware of what mental health issues can be? I would attribute it more to the latter. I think you have to look at where we are as a society in 2021. And whereas in the past, if you spoke your, ma your mind and you were transparent in the way that Naomi was, I'm not sure you'd get the same type of reaction generally. And obviously, there are still people who say you know, she shouldn't have withdrawn, irrespective of what she may be going through. But instead, by and large, what we're seeing are people not only applauding Naomi, but applauding all of the brands that support her because they're ultimately either expressly or impliedly taking a stand that Naomi stood up for what she believes in. And so did the brands and it, and it came across as being very authentic. So I think, you know, whereas that's something that is now applauded mid 2021, maybe that's not the case a decade ago. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think people are having those conversations. They're being more honest. And, you know, you know, uh, the world went through a pretty tough year. So maybe people are just a little bit more sympathetic to that. But, uh, you know, I thought that the sponsors did a really good job pivoting there. It was obviously a tough situation for them. They made a monstrous investment in her and they had to pivot. And I think uh, got to give them some credit for that. So l let me pick your brain as somebody that represents athletes. And so, you know, you're there as kind of a consult and you can make some recommendations, you know, to athletes as they uh, further, uh, further their career. But uh, do you think that this may have been a little bit of a blind spot? Um, you know, obviously Naomi has to deal with her own internal 
mental health issues on her own in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, somebody that represents her maybe could have seen that coming. Was there a blind spot? Should they have made some different recommendations? Maybe, hey, let's get her a PR representative. Maybe let's get her a media coach. Heck, why don't we just bring a therapist with her while she's on the road to kind of build her up, you know, between these press events? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't pretend to be a mental health expert, but I think it would have probably been very difficult for her representatives outside of perhaps her closest circle, really knowing what she was going through. I have to think that this was something that was not so apparent, despite the fact that she talked about how she's been an introvert. I don't think being an introvert necessarily means that you have mental health issues. I'd actually consider myself to be an introvert. And you know, I don't believe that I have any mental health issues. So I think it's it's very hard for a third party to really have a grasp or an understanding of what a person is going through internally. And so I don't I don't really know what advice or any advice she may have received from those representatives. Although again, perhaps she trusted her closest circle and perhaps they were providing her advice. But I, I thought when I looked at what she posted on social media, I thought that it came across as dialogue that was not really coached. It really came across as something that Naomi developed on her own and perhaps had somebody that she trusts look over it at first, but it didn't seem as though it was something that was well-crafted by a public relations specialist. And I also think that that may be why it has served such an important effect and why there has not been the backlash that some may have expected, especially after considering that she pulled out and that was after she avoided uh, press obligations. So yeah, I'm sure that her representation played a role to the extent that they knew what she was going through and that she was comfortable with, with them playing such a role. Ultimately, representatives know that their fiduciary duty is to do what's in the best interests of their clients, the principals. And if their clients are on their own and wish to be on their own and not have the advice of their representatives in any given circumstance, the representative has to respect that. Well, obviously hindsight is 2020 and I want to continue on in your representative capacities here, you know, so looking backwards, you know, kind of learning from what came out in the media accounts, you know, if you were Naomi's attorney representing her and this came up, she calls you up and say, I'm having a really hard time with these press events. I don't think I can fulfill my contract. What would you have recommended to her? How would you have reached out to the tournament? Yeah, again, I suppose it depends on how much she was willing to tell me with regard to what she was going through internally and also what she was comfortable with me relaying to tournament organizers. The last thing you ever want to do as a representative is betray the confidence and trust of your client. So I would want to be very careful that I'm not saying anything outside of my client's comfort level and certainly not providing a third party with the opportunity to tell the world of the mental health struggles that my client is going through. I think it was really important to give Naomi that opportunity to be the first to really announce it and to craft that statement in the way that she wanted to. So I'm not sure I would have handled it any differently. How about from the uh, the tournament perspective, if the tournament hired you and said, hey, you know, our star player out there is not talking at these media events. We, we love her, but you know, we really need her to do this and we can't seem to coax her into it. How would you advise them knowing what you know now? Oh, knowing what I know now and hindsight being 2020, obviously you wouldn't push the, the issue. 
understanding that Naomi was going through and continues to go through serious mental health issues, the last thing you would want to do is put yourself in that type of position. And I think one of the reasons why the tournament probably also has not received an insurmountable amount of backlash is because this is not something that was known. But if the tournament, if it came out that the tournament did know and still decided to fine Naomi $15,000 and perhaps even consider further punitive measures, that could be an issue. So I think it just, it, it all depends on what you know. And if in fact, I was representing the tournament organizer and we knew of her issues, then I wouldn't have even fined her. Well, I know you have to go, but I want to close it out with this just real quick last question. You know, obviously she's going to come back. So I guess from what you've seen uh, in the sports world, you know, when and how does she come back? What does this look like? Yeah, I think she comes back on her terms. And I think that's very clear from with regard to what she stated, that she's going to take some time for herself. I'm sure uh, she's receiving counseling. And I think that's what's most important. She's achieved such an amazing level of success, at least as we all perceive it as fans at such an early age. And obviously, not only do you want her to achieve as much future success in the sport as possible, and that probably entails taking as much time off as is necessary, but you want to see the person outside of the tennis player. You want to see the person be happy, be stable, be secure, and succeed for whatever that means for that individual. And so I don't know what her timetable is, but I know that, or I hope that she takes as much time as is necessary and comes back as strong as ever. Well, Darren, it was a pleasure to have you on again. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thanks as always. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please recommend the show to a friend. Word of mouth is the best form of advertisement. One more thank you to our sponsor, Nota. You can find them at trustnota.com forward slash legal. That's Nota spelled N-O-T-A. Last but never least, thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN audio crew. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Cloddy. Have a great day, everybody. 